Welcome to another edition of the Pocono Raceway Podcast. This is your host, Kevin, coming at you by myself, actually, on this episode for a two-part episode in memory of our track's founder, Doc Mattioli. Um, Doc was recently announced as a uh, nominee for the NASCAR Hall of Fame Landmark Award. Um, that award is for outstanding contributions to NASCAR. And we decided to interview eight staff members, um, some family members. Obviously, we are a family-owned business, um, but... A lot of them have were either hired by Doc, were here when the uh, the track started, um, or just have been here for such a long time that Doc has made a huge impact on their career. Now, before we get into interviewing the first four, I want to talk a little bit about what the Landmark Award actually is. So each year since the NASCAR Hall of Fame opened up, we they've given away this award. Um, again, it's the NASCAR Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions. Um, it's a pretty significant award. Um, now, it's not technically a NASCAR Hall of Fame induction, although the recipients that I'm about to list off after I explain what the award is um, are still eligible to be uh, nominated into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Um, so basically, the, the landmark award recipients could either be a competitor, those working the sport, member of a race team, a track, um, a racing organization, um, a sponsor, media partner, or just someone who has done something throughout the sport for the sport um, in a professional or non-professional role. So um, kind of wide open, but still an unbelievable honor. And you actually still get a unbelievable display and a plaque at the, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So um, very prestigious. Um, the first recipient of this award in 2015 was Anne Bledsoe France. Um, she was the wife of NASCAR founder Bill France Sr. Um, obviously played a huge role with their family business in the beginnings of NASCAR. Uh, she was handled a lot of their financial end of the business, um, secretary, treasurer of NASCAR, before moving over to International Speedway Corporation in that same role. In 2016, the award went to Harold Brasington. Um, Harold has done ha- had done several different things, um, but Darlington, North Carolina, South Carolina, excuse me, was kind of the biggest one. Uh, he actually built Darlington, so um, pretty amazing. He also helped with the creation of Charlotte Motor Speedway, North Carolina Motor Speedway, and Rockingham. So um, a lot of stuff that, that Harold did, and he was obviously given the award. In 2017, um, H. Clay Earls, um, the Earls family is another uh, family friend of the race of the raceway and the Mattiolis. Uh, he opened up Martinsville Speedway in 1947. Um, you know, definitely an incredible track. It was a short track. It's one of the oldest tracks that's, that they still run on um, right alongside Darlington. So fitting those other two recipients. Um, Jim France actually won the award in 2018. You know, he's tip- now he's running. Um, he's the uh, chairman of the board for NASCAR um, and has obviously done so much throughout his career um, in his own family business. Um, Jim Hunter in 2019. Now, Jim has a special place in my heart. Um, Jim was a public relations um, director at Darlington, Talladega, um, long before I was born, actually, <laughs> and then became, in 1983, the NASCAR vice um, president of administration. Um, he was president of Darlington. 
He was VP of International Speedway Corp and played a very large role in the PR side of things for NASCAR for many, many years. Now, this year, uh, there's some people on the list that were um, that are on, on this year's nomination list. Um, a couple of them were added, um, but those five nominate, nominees, um, including Doc Mendioli, who was the co-founder of Pocono Raceway with his wife, Doc Rose, um, Ralph Seagraves, he uh, formed the groundbreaking Winston NASCAR partnership um, as an executive of R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company. Mike Helton, um, obviously he was named the, the third president of NASCAR in 2000, uh, worked at Atlanta Motor Speedway in Talladega prior to his um, becoming president of NASCAR. Uh, Alvin Hawkins, he was actually NASCAR's first flagman um, at Bowman Gray Stadium, and alongside uh, Bill France Sr., and then Edsel Ford III, or second, excuse me, Edsel Ford II, member of the board of directors for Mona Company. Um, so pretty prestigious names on the list that have won the award, pretty prestigious names that are nominees. Now, in order for Doc to be inducted with this award, um, 60% of the ballots had to vote for him. Um, there's a huge voting um, ballot process. So in order to win the award, um, 60% of the ballots have to go towards uh, the nominee for the Landmark Award, and they're going to present the award to one person. And like I said, even if um, one of those five names, the nominees for this year's Landmark Award or win, um, you know, that, that transfers over. And, and it's actually for 2020, so um, they'll announce it later this year, and then they'll get inducted next year. So moving on, we're going to interview um, four of our staff members in Part 1. Uh, the first one, um, Louis Mattioli, um, you know, Louie has been here forever, uh, Doc's daughter, um, so we'll interview her. Uh, Barb Arroyo, uh, Barb was a longtime uh, administrative assistant um, to Doc and Doc Rose. Uh, Nick Igdalski, um, Doc's grandson and the uh, third generation CEO that we have here at the track. And then Bob Palo, who was VP of military affairs currently um, and has held multiple roles while working here and was a very dear friend of Doc. So we're going to get right into it. We are joined by Louis Mattioli. Hi, Louis. Hi, Kev. <laughs> um, so the first question for you is obviously, how long have you worked at Pocono Raceway? Well, that really is a sucky question. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, because uh, I was, I'm Doc's daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm his oldest daughter. And uh, I came here, well, I worked here when I was young as a child. And then um, Doc sucked me back in. Probably 25 years ago now, after I had been out on my own with multiple businesses. And um, with the Italian guilt, he just sucked me back in, saying, look at this, look at this. And then the more I looked at, the more ticked off I got about the way the people at the raceway 25 years ago were running things. And, um, and that's it. And here I am. Here you are. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kevin? <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kevin? Because it's such a great answer. Well, what do you want me to say? No, that's no. It really is. It's such a great I answer. Mean, um, so, uh, obviously, being his daughter, and then obviously working with Doc side by side for so many years. Uh, we didn't work side by side. I was the biggest thorn in his <laughs> side because everybody else would just kiss his butt, right? And do, and not give him honest feedback. And the one thing you need when you're in business is you need honest feedback. Not that anybody is this answering your question. So it I is. Not that because you want people to tell you the other side of the story, maybe something you haven't thought of. And but so I would give him the honest feedback, which most of the time he would throw me out of his office. 
<laughs> and then he'd think about it for a couple of days, and he'd call me back in. He goes, you know, I had a great idea. <laughs> and he'd regurgitate <laughs> because as long as he, in his mind, thought through everything in Doc way, then he would come back and say, you know, I had a really good idea. I want you to follow through on blah, blah, blah. And I would just look at him like, seriously. But you never said anything. So what mm. was some of the best advice that you've received from Doc from a professional standpoint? That no maybe advice. No advice? You learn from Doc by watching Doc. Um, the man was an enigma. Um, I know that physically he's gone, but uh, spiritually he is here. I mean, and he will slap you upside the head if you're not doing it his way. Um, the, he would just, you would go into his office with a proposal on something. And um, Doc needed all the answers. Like I said before, you had to go in prepared. And I remember the first couple times I went in and um, when I was new, so he, he wasn't, you know, he's, he wanted me to stay here, you know, because he had sucked me in. So he would say, well, what about this? What about this? And I go, hmm. I didn't think of that. So he said, well, go back and think about it and come back. So he gave you that for two times where he would, you know, when you were new, like try and figure things out. You learned that if you're going to go to Doc with anything, you had to look at it every which way from Sunday because the worst thing in the world was when you sat down with him and you had a really solid idea, proposal, project, and he would come out of left field <laughs> on something that was so friggin' obvious. Can I say friggin'? You can say friggin'. friggin <laughs> and it's not that he demanded perfection out of you. It just aggravated him that you would not think like he thought and bring him all the facts. So what that made you is a better business person because you really had to look at everything from every angle. You know, what you know, Kevin, I'm a big pain in the butt to you guys here at Pocono um, because not that's all the time. how, not all the time. Thank <laughs> you for the compliment. Um, but, but, you know, that's how I was trained. And, and that's not something he did in business. That was at home too. You know, growing up, it was the same thing. So you really didn't do things um, because he was mad at you or because of the typical boss-employee relationship. You went the, the, the extra miles because you didn't want to disappoint him. Mm -hmm. He had so much faith in everybody that he had that you did so much more. It was nothing about the money. It had nothing to do – I mean, the only time he would tell you you did so – well, once I said to him, is this how did it, how did I do it? He said, do you hear me hollering at you? <laughs> he goes, if it's wrong, you'll know. So he was not what you call a complimentary mm -hmm. guy. Um, but uh, so you just, as long as you weren't getting kicked in the butt, you were in good shape. Mm -hmm. You know, just proceed along those same lines. So you talked a little bit about um, Doc's way and the way that he carried himself and the way they did. From a perspective of not only working here and it being, you know, family business, which it still is, what was... What did Doc instill to the motorsports community? What 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 impact do you feel like he's left? And obviously that legacy continues. But what what is your feeling on that? Oh well, obviously perseverance and fortitude. I mean, he could have quit a hundred times. I mean, he was a successful dentist. My mother was a successful podiatrist. They didn't need this gig. Okay, they got into it on an investment. You know, it was just an investment. 
And um, and one thing led to another. It's not worth going through the whole thing because your readers will fall or listeners will fall asleep. But he never gave up. And I think today so many people give up. So he just kept plowing, plowing. And, and it was almost like the more you threw at him, the more determined he was to get through it because he knew there was an answer. Okay? Um, he, just, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. Um, the other thing, I think, is that his humility. Um, I remember when I first came a couple years later, um, and he'd make me go to all these things, you know. And, uh, I'm, you know, I don't like to do the public thing. I mean, people <laughs> didn't even know I was his daughter for probably the first 15 years. Right. And they didn't know I was Brandon and Nick and Ashley's mom because we all had different last names. So we could play the shell game. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, um, but his humility, I mean, uh, I remember going to a, a banquet or something, and it was one where you didn't have um, seating. And he sat all the way in the back. And I didn't say anything. I figured he knew. And then another one, I sat in the back, sat in the back, sat in the back. I said, I said Dad, why didn't you go closer to the front? He goes, no. I'm good here. In other words, he didn't need, he didn't need to, (laughs) he was so sure of himself as the man that he was that he didn't need somebody else's accolades to give him assurances of what he was really about. So from the perseverance and the fortitude, which is one side of the spectrum, to the true humility, um, that to me, I think, uh, are the most important the most things and that and that's it also i mean that's totally in the motorsport side too sure and then if you want to share what's your what's some of your greatest doc moments or or just one in particular that just stands out to you that that can summarize to a person why doc was nominated for this award i i really would have a hard time with that one um because i don't think there's ever one moment in somebody's life um, that is that is that strategic moment. I just think for the reasons that I said that <coughs> his tenacity, his boldness, his fortitude, his strength, I mean, um, I think that's what people saw. I mean, it would like I said, it would have been so easy for him up here in the Northeast where nobody knew. You know, everybody thinks it was an overnight success, Pocono Raceway, you know, in Pennsylvania. No, they, they didn't know anything that went on for the first... <laughs> How many years are we here? Oh, this is you're you're looking at over fifty. Okay, and I'm six. I'm going to be sixty-eight. Okay, so you know I can't even get into all the stories that could have possibly been. Okay, it's just the it, it's just the whole. It was just that whole. So you know we're really appreciative that um, uh, that he was uh, nominated for the award, and um, and we don't. I can't say that we're proud. Because of that, because we're proud anyway of the achievements that he's done uh, and what we are continuing to try and build on his legacy of those things, of the fortitude, tenacity, strength. And the greatest thing about Doc was his word was his worth. If he looked you in the eye and said, ba, 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 and shook your hand, it was better than any contract that I've ever signed with anybody because he was true to his word. And that says to me, what else can be better? That's perfect. We'll leave it just like that. It's lovely speaking with you, Kevin. (laughs) I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you.
We are here with Barb Arroyo. Barb, how are you? I'm doing fine. All right, Barb, how long have you worked at Pocono Raceway? Twelve and a half years. And um, tell people what your job is and what it used to be as it related to Doc. Well, I'm executive assistant to Dr. Rose, Michelle Mattioli, and Luby Mattioli. Okay. And uh, as far as Doc goes... Whatever he wanted, I did. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. He called my name, I ran. <laughs> yeah, whatever you needed, right? Yes, I always wanted to help him, please him, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. So uh. he used to come in, you know, w- I would have to get the office ready, so he'd be out front, get him out front, get him in the office, whatever he needed, type of letters. And he would joke to me, he'd say, oh, uh, do you know how to type? <laughs> 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 and I'd say, yes, yes, you know, so. When, um, who hired you? Was it Doc? Uh, Dr. Rose. Okay. But when I first called Dr. Rose, she wasn't home. So I talked to Doc on the phone. And he says, oh, Barbara Arroyo. That that name sounds uh, Spanish. He says, you don't sound Spanish. You know, he says, you sound like you're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I am. And then, I, then when I said, no, I'm Irish. And he says, oh, Irish. And then he asked my maiden name. I said, Gaffney. He says, oh, okay, Gaffney, Gaffney, you know. <laughs> So, so he knew he were before you even started. No, no, no. Oh, I talked okay. yeah, talk to him. Yeah. But then when I when I did my interview with Dr. Rose, she loved me right away. But he would tell me, he says, all right, you tell your boss that I'm the boss. <laughs> That's what he used to say. And she'd say, yeah, okay, Doc, all right. We all know who the true <laughs> boss was, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, share um, maybe some insight as to what you learned from Doc from working with him. You know, I learned a lot from him. I All I could say is he was such a great man, and he was such a presence. If you, you know, Doc stepped into room, you knew Doc was there. He was just always, and I mean, he would tell his jokes, too. He would, you know, because sometimes, of course, we would be very, you know, getting the work done, but then sometimes he would just call me in his office, tell me to sit down, and I'd be, you know, a little nervous, like, okay, what do you want? He's <laughs> like, no, I just want to talk, relax, sit back, don't worry. And he just, but I do remember him saying, you know, a hand, a firm handshake, and your word is everything. Yeah, that's what he always, you know. That's what, that's the yeah, biggest thing yeah. you learned from him was a firm yes, handshake, yes. and and of course, you know, like I would, you know, be nervous around him or whatever, but then he would, you know, ease you down and, you know, be all right. And then he would always tell his jokes, and then he'd say, "Oh, I don't have to," you know, because then he would look. He says, "I don't have to worry about you. You're a New York City girl," because <laughs> of course his jokes were, you know. <laughs> Different now. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously, say it again for me just one more time. What's the greatest thing you learned from Doc? And bring up that handshake thing again. Yeah, just uh, that's, you know, he did say about, you know, a firm ham- handshake and your word is everything. And just like you just said, you just think like what this man did, you know, just to make Pocono Raceway with him and, you know, Dr. Rose and just... Uh, and I just said, I always just remember his presence. His presence was just everything. And you just wanted to do your best to, you know, you know, make him happy or do whatever he needed or wanted. And, uh, you know, it was an honor to work for him. It truly was. You know what I mean? It truly was. I love that man. You know, so he's he was a good guy. Yeah. He really was. So you know? with, with that, um, I feel like I already have – the soundbite I'm going to use. Yeah. So, but if you want, um, you got you got a good story to, to yeah. share about Doc. Uh, yeah, there was one time because I, you know, would uh, be taking him all around. So we were out front, and then you know I was just waiting to you know 
uh, you know, go to the car with him. And he's just talking to George and someone else. But he was saying a couple (laughs) of things and this, 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 that. So I'm just standing there. But then he turns around. He's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Then he he says, oh, I forgot you were there. (laughs) You know, and I says, ah, don't worry. I said, I heard bursts. You know, but I says that. But I was always like, ah, don't worry. Whatever you talk about, I ain't going to say nothing. You know, (laughs) it's between me, you and the lamppost. (laughs) That's what my grandma used to say. So he's Um, just a really all-around great guy. He was, you know, like I said, it was an honor to work for him. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, everyone just loved Doc. And, of course, you just loved his name. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. (laughs) You know? Because, of course, I used when I first met him, I just said, you know, Mr. Mattioli. He says, ah, call me Doc. Yeah. And then right from there, right. What was that? Like, you know. A friend, a friendly, welcoming person that yes, had a presence. Yes. and right. You know, and like I said, we, you know, I would do it, what, you know, like whatever work we had to get done, but I guess maybe he would sense that I'd be nervous sometimes. <laughs> and he would just put me at ease, like, no, come on in. And You're not nervous anymore. Yeah. Right. No, in the beginning, I used to, I used to joke with Louie. I used to sit when I used to, he used, I used to have to go to his office or whatever. He used to say, I'm a scared. I'm a scared. <laughs> You know, in the beginning, she's like, oh, don't worry. You'll like him. You'll like him. And I did. (laughs) Perfect. Here with Nick Igdalski. Nick, welcome. Hi. How long have you been at Pocono Raceway? (laughs) I think I was born here. I might have been conceived here, too. I don't know. But my employment started when I was about 12 or 13 years old, so we're uh, quickly approaching 30 years here. Long time. Long time. Um, So, obviously, a lot of encounters with Doc being your grandfather, but um, was there ever a moment in time where you actually had to have some sort of interview for a position with him? No, I wouldn't say interview. Um, I remember I wasn't working here. Brandon had started on the maintenance department. And uh, and I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to cook. So I was working in a bakery over the summer. And uh, I come to stay with him for a weekend. <clears throat> and I'm watching TV in his living room. And he kicks. I was in his lazy boy. And he was in a chair next to me. And he kicks my chair. Spins me around. What, what did I do now? <laughs> That's all I thought. And he looks at me. He goes, when the hell are you going to come up here and start working? <laughs> and it kind of caught me off guard the way he went about it. And I thought, well, I... I didn't really think about it yet, Pop. I just figured it was going to be here for a while, and I could take my time. So after that summer, I uh, actually thought about it, and uh, I didn't really like the sh- the hours that bakers were working. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly gave that up to come back up here. So about uh, 13 years old is when I started on the maintenance department. Wow. Um, so what's some of the best advice he ever offered you or that you learned from him? You know, I was thinking about that, and um, – most of his advice was fairly inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> just wor- the wording was inappropriate, right. on it, but the messages were there. And the one that I keep thinking about, it's, it was about patience. Mm-hmm. It was about, you know, he taught me a lesson on patience, but the way he worded it made it a little interesting. So, and I'll, I'll PG it up for you here. <laughs> but he, he had this saying that he would tell all of us that was like, there's a, there's a father, a uh, cow and a son, or bulls, he called them. There was a, there was a, father bull and a son bull up on the hill and there was a pasture full of uh of female cows and he goes he goes now son you can walk down there talk to all the cows or you can run down there and talk to one of the cows what would you rather do i said i'd rather walk down there and talk to all the cows he goes that's patience 
So that's kind of the lesson that he taught me the most. It's a good story. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. It was dirtier when he told us. It. <laughs> it was a lot dirtier. <laughs> it wasn't about talking to the cows. <laughs> good thing we're editing this. <laughs> he could have went full blood. I'd be like, cool, we're going to have to redo that. <laughs> um, so then uh, for me, you know, share for everybody kind of what your greatest doc moment would have been. The um, There was a lot of them. I mean, a lot of them. From, we, we used to spend summers with them. We would vacation with them regularly. It was We spent a lot of time with our grandparents. We'd live with them all summer. Um, but uh, on one of the trips, he would always pull us out. Of, he, he loved boating, and uh, we would go on boat trips with them, week-long, two-week-long boat trips with Dr. Rose and Joe, and it was usually Brandon and myself because we were the only ones old enough that they could trust not to drown. <laughs> uh, so we would go on, down the Chesapeake, up and down the intercoastal. He really enjoyed Florida, but we always made it an educational trip. I wouldn't say we, he and Dr. Rose always made it. So we'd always go to uh, historic areas, Civil War Fort, Sumter, South Carolina, you know, St. Augustine, anywhere along those lines. We'd learn more than what we were learning in school, and we'd go back, and then eventually you get to those history classes, and go, oh, hey, I know about that. I was there. But um, the one memory I had that, that made him larger than life for me was we were in Key West, and it was no particular boat trip. I don't, I don't recall where we were going, where we were headed, our destination or anything. But I was, I was about 10, 9, 10 years old, I'm guessing, in that range. And we were at a diner having breakfast. <clears throat> and um, from across a few tables down, a gentleman was having some issues. And his wife stood up and, and asked if there was a doctor in the house. Uh, the the man was choking. He uh, he we we eventually found out he recently had some surgery on his throat and he was supposed to take it easy and he was eating steak and eggs for breakfast, which is not so easy, <laughs> and he was choking. So Doc actually got up, ran to the table and and gave the guy the Heimlich maneuver and saved his life right wow. there for breakfast. Um, I've never seen anything like that in person at that age, and it was quite spectacular. What made it even more spectacular was literally the table next to the guy choking was a table full of paramedics. So this, at the time, he was a sixty late 60s, early 70-year-old man, probably early 70-year-old man, got up from several booths away, beat the paramedics over to this gentleman. He had no idea the paramedics were right. there until afterwards. Right. He raced over there, saved the man's life, even before the paramedics got done wiping their mouths. It was unbelievable. Like, I just saw him spring into action, and that's from you know, his World War II training. Sure. And that kind of stuff. So that, to me, made him larger than life in my mind. And that's that's one instance that always sticks out to me. It's a good one. It's a great one. And then final thing, because um, this question wasn't on the thing, but as people got nostalgic, this has basically led to a great response, and that's what did Doc leave behind for his legacy? Oh, And wow. kind of why it's why it's important for this, you know, not necessarily for the award standpoint, because I want to get into like, oh, I think he deserves the award, or it's great recognition for the award. More along the lines of, to the average fan who just knows Doc Mattioli as the co-founder here, what is his legacy wow. in motorsports <clears throat> in, in motors- our property? Oh. In your personal opinion. Yeah, in my personal opinion, it's that that stick to that patience, that he kind of always, you know, never give up attitude and stick with it and be on the forefront. That, to me, should be his legacy in the sport. You know, in the time when the sport needed it the most, there was no connection to the Northeast Corridor of fans. None. Uh, Pocono was that original connection. I mean, later on, you would have, you know, NASCAR go to Watkins Glen and New Hampshire and 
you know, but, but it wasn't there. And, um, and it was a struggle. And, you know, we always tell the story here. We have the business card blown up and put on the wall with Bill Francis infamous words that, you know, kept him involved, but that was just it. He just stuck with it. And, um, and they sacrificed, went broke. I don't know how many times we've heard the stories three, four times, you know, he threw the keys on the desk of the, the bank officer and said, here, it's yours. Take it. And they didn't want it. They said, no, we don't know how to run a track. Here, you just you just keep going into default. And we'll keep, you know, eventually we'll have to do something. Right. But if it wasn't for the France family and their friendship and their uh, and their guidance, then uh, then we wouldn't be here today. Pocono wouldn't be here today. And who knows where NASCAR in the Northeast would be today. So that that's what I would say his legacy is, is, you know, the kindness, um, the philanthropy, all that is part of it. But as far as NASCAR legacy, I'd say – you know, he held that cornerstone up while the foundation was being built around him. And uh, and for that, I thank him, and I think those in the sport should thank him as well. Joining me next is Bob Palo, our VP of Military Affairs. Bob, how are you today? Good, Kevin. How are you? Very good. How long have you been at Pocono Raceway? I've been here 42 years this November. Wow. Uh, my first official assignment was a press conference, Tavern on the Green for the Music 500. Uh, Sister Sledge, John Belushi, Roberta Flack, et cetera. It was a great event. Very cool. Very cool. Um, were you interviewed by Doc? Did he, did he, was he the one who hired you or somebody else? Uh, his son Joe did, but... Yeah, Doc called me into his office and talked to me about uh, job, pay, et cetera. Kind of intimidating, like going to the principal's <laughs> office in high school. Uh, and really, after 40 years, uh, sometimes you, you see that extension 111 show up on your phone, and it's, oh, crap, I'm going <laughs> to the principal's <laughs> office. But... Uh, it's, it's been a great 40 years. That's amazing. Um, what's some of the best advice he ever offered to you? Uh, with my primary responsibilities back then being sales, et cetera, uh, it was friends do business with friends. A handshake most of the time is stronger than a written contract. And I think the most important was never burn a bridge. Mm -hmm. And in his mind, it was, <laughs> you never know, next week that person may be your new boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a good way to think. Yeah. Um, and I think that continues on now with, uh, you know, Nick and the leadership role he's in. It's a very similar situation. So uh, why don't you go ahead and share um, one of your greatest doc stories that kind of embodies who he really was. Uh the one that came to mind involved my youngest son, Kyle. He was 11 or 12 at the time in sixth grade. We have a driver test session. Doc decided to invite all the area elementary school and middle school kids to the track. Well, while they're here, local TV decided to do a kids segment. So they start interviewing kids. I found out that my son was interviewed. Okay. And it's like, <laughs> oh, crap. The number one policy of Doc then was no one talked to the press. 
lo and behold, it's my son. <laughs> that evening, the local news airs, and they put my son on, not the other. Two minutes later, the phone rang. Doc, put Kyle on the phone. <laughs> Kyle gets on and says, I want you in my office tomorrow. Make sure your dad brings you. Next day after school, bring him into the office. Doc says, if you're ever going to work for me, the number one rule, you don't talk to the press. <laughs> His little 12-year-old kids are going, did I say something wrong? Doc hesitated, and I'll never forget it. And he said, no. As a matter of fact, it was the best interview I've ever seen through <laughs> any of our PR people. I have a new job. You're going to be our junior ambassador. You're going to invite all your classmates to any event they want to come to as your guest. And as you said on TV, make them a new race fan. And he's been here virtually every event since then. Uh, other than his deployment to Korea. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Well, we know Doc influenced everybody, and if you have any other closing things you want to say with just what Doc meant to you, we can we can close out there. Uh, the, there was a... His gruff side was really uh, what people seem to associate Doc with, and a lot of people never realize the big heart side that the man had, especially for what he considered family or second family. Um, a, a story in itself, when I was in treatment back in 2005, he called me in his office one day and said, how are you paying for these medical bills? I said, well, our insurance is 80-20, 20%, uh, I pay up front, credit card, and when the bill comes in, I get reimbursed from insurance, I pay off the credit card. And he said, not anymore. And he wrote three or four blank checks and said, start paying for your bills. It, it's, the man had a huge, huge heart. 